Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. God, I thank you for each and every person here. I thank you would never take it for granted this opportunity to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person. I also pray that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today that they can use. They will be able to use it and make their lives better. God, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but they will be able to use this message and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Please lift your Bibles up and say this confession with me. Say, this is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every breath, every verse is God breathed. <laughs> and I aim to live by every word. Let me read it. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Family, last time we were together, as you know, we're still on the series, God's using it. Last time we were together, we spent some time establishing a, let's call it a mental plumb line. Essentially what we did is we had some conversations that pointed us towards a certain theme. That thing is and was, continues to be, that everything in your life has purpose. We all live in a life, our living lives, or live in a world, living lives that can thrust us into ups and downs. There are no questions about that. It's just a fact. No one is immune. No matter your age, no matter your gender, no matter your race, no matter your financial or social status, it is just a fact. Bad things can happen. There's no getting around it. The author of Ecclesiastes 9 puts it this way while talking about the, the theme or the topic of, hey, life's not fair. The author says this, I also saw other things in this life that were not fair. The fastest runner does not always win the race. The strongest soldier does not always win the battle. Wise people don't always get the food. Smart people don't always get the wealth. Educated people don't always get the praise they deserve. When the time comes, bad things can happen to anyone. This passage, call it that, does not mix words here. It says, quite frankly, life can be unfair. Loved ones, you can be the most qualified candidate but not get the job. 
you can do the work and not get paid. You can live up to your side of the bargain, but have the other person not live up to theirs. Life's not always fair. You can have the best of intentions, but end up with the worst of results. It's just not fair. You can treat the people around you good, but have them treat you bad. Life, let's face it, is not always smooth. At times, it's quite the opposite. Life can be abrasive. If you think about life as an Amazon delivery person, life can deliver an unwanted package to your door and have the return to sender option grayed out. And the contents of that package can be some of the most undesirable things. And the contents of that package can be a delivery basket for you of unpleasantries. Notice, in your lifetime, you could experience a variety of things from that package, and it can deliver to you hurt, pain, sickness, abandonment, mistreatment, manipulation, deception, heartbreak, loneliness, poverty, no one's got to convince you that life's not smooth. But everybody say yet. Yet. Yes. yet in all of this, your life, everything in it, and everything you've been through has purpose in God's hands. Notice clearly the statement I just made. I said everything in your life has purpose in God's hands. Notice this image. What I did not do is I did not stop the, that statement on the word purpose. Those last three words in God's hands are very important. And when you say that statement, it's important that you express the full statement that everything has purpose in God's hands, not just everything has purpose. You need to express the full statement and stand behind that statement. I cannot state enough how important that is. If for whatever reason, you make, in my opinion, the error in just stopping at everything has purpose and ending it with purpose, what you do is you open the door for the devil and others, including yourself, to stir up hatred and anger in you, especially against God. When you stop right there, the natural response, the human response, is to immediately lash out and say, what do you mean everything in my life has purpose? Tell me then. What is the purpose in me being hurt? What is the purpose of me being in pain?
tell me again, what's the purpose of me being sick? What's the purpose of me being abandoned? What's the purpose of me being mistreated? Hey, tell me what's the purpose of me being manipulated? What's the purpose of me being deceived? Everything in my life has purpose. What the heck is the purpose of me being brokenhearted? What's the purpose of me being lonely? What's the purpose of me being poor? When you stop that thing at purpose, what I'm getting at is stopping it at purpose. That thing points you and puts you in your feelings. It directs you in your feelings. That's what happens when you do that. In contrast, though, when you say the whole statement, everything has purpose in God's hands, that statement, well, that directs you to the spirit. And when you get directed to the spirit, the spirit regulates your feelings and turns your attention towards God. When your attention gets turned towards God, all of a sudden, you begin to learn more about your, your usefulness and how you can be used in life. When you turn your attention towards God, God begins to build your confidence from the inside. When you realize that everything has purpose in God's hands, all of a sudden, instead of the anger and the hatred and the bitterness, you begin to anticipate how God can use you to liberate somebody else. You go from questioning God to asking God the question. God, please let me know. I know that right now I'm hurt. But Father, show me how I can use my hurt to free somebody that's hurting. Show me how I can use my pain to free somebody that's in pain. Show me how I can use my sickness to free somebody else who's sick. Show me how I can use my abandonment to free somebody else that's abandoned. Show me how I can use my mistreatment to free somebody else who's being mistreated. God, show me how I can use me being deceived to free somebody else who's deceived. Show me how I can use my broken heart to free somebody else that's brokenhearted. Show me how I can take my loneliness and free somebody else who's lonely. Show me how I can take me existing in this poor position, in this poverty, and free somebody else that's in poverty. You begin to take that thing and ask God, how can I use my current situation, what I'm going through, and free somebody else? And sometimes, get this, what we'll do is we'll put a pause on that thing and we want to wait until we have gone through to help somebody else get through. You ain't got to do that. You don't have to wait until you've gone through to help somebody else. You don't have to wait until you've gone through to be a God light for somebody else. 
you can help somebody go through while you are going through. Amen. Same list of items. You can see somebody who's hurting. Go up to them and say, listen, I know you hurting. Guess what? Right now I'm hurting, too. But come on. We going to get through this thing together. I know you in pain. I'm in pain, too. But come on. We going to get through this thing together. I know you've been manipulated. I know you've been mistreated. I know you in that situation right now. But guess what? Me, too. We going to walk through this thing together. Come on. Everything from your broken heart, from your loneliness to you existing in poverty, everything that you going through right now, while you going through it, you can help somebody else get through. You don't have to go through first to help somebody get through. Furthermore, let me express this to you. There is an added benefit to you helping others. When you begin to help others, guess what? You help yourself. In my opinion, in my experience, when you help somebody else get strong, you get stronger. When you help somebody get liberated, you free yourself. When you help somebody find their way, you find your own way. When you help somebody else get closer to God, you get closer to God. Yeah. All those chains of events, all those things happen when you make the decision that you are going to put your life in God's hands. Amen. Unfortunately, though, for a lot of us, we don't make it to that point. We don't make it to that point because we do not see ourselves the way God sees us especially if we have a negative view of ourselves, We don't see how God can use us. Oh, we see all of, this, all of this stain on us, but we don't see our usefulness. And what we end up doing, unfortunately, is because we don't see that, we end up, well, kind of not wanting to answer the call. God wants to offer us an opportunity, but we pause short of voluntarily wanting to be an active participant in what he's asking us to do. I want you to look at something with me. In the book of Exodus, it's going to be in Exodus chapter 3. In Exodus chapter 3, the Bible introduces us to the account of Moses and the burning bush. We have, we have read this passage several times over the years, and it has always given us great insight, and I really am excited about what we're going to glean from it today. As for how we see ourselves, though, we often see ourselves through a lens of negativity, and it's not uncommon common to hear us refer to ourselves using the words as, using words that express our incapability, our uselessness, and our self-doubt. All of those things keep us bottled up. Hopefully, by the end of our time here today, we're going to free some people out of those bottles. 
We're going to be in the easy to read version all session this this time. Exodus chapter three, verse one. Reads this way, easy to read. Moses's father-in-law named Jethro was named Jethro. Jethro, Jethro. Jethro was a priest of Midian. Moses took care of Jethro's sheep. One day, Moses led the sheep to, to the west side of the desert. He went to a mountain called Horeb, Horeb, the mountain of God. On that mountain, Moses saw the angel of the Lord in a burning bush. Moses saw a bush that was burning without being destroyed, so he decided to go closer to the bush to see how a bush could continue burning without being burned up. The Lord saw Moses was coming to look at the bush, so he called to him from the bush. He said, Moses, Moses. Now, a lot of people like to, to talk about why did he call him two times? The Bible don't say why he called him two times. Let me tell you why I think he called him two times. This man is out there with nobody but sheep. And he hears somebody say, Moses, what's your natural response? Who, 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 who said that? You're looking at sheep. Sheep ain't saying nothing. You know it's just you. So he says, Moses, Moses. And for the record, for everybody who wants to argue that Moses was black, if he was black, he would have been going at Moses. And it would have been like eight, eight more Moses there. Moses, Moses, Moses. Moses, come back, Moses. So if you think Moses is black, think again. I'm just kidding. I'm not trying to get anybody theology. I'm just kidding. He said, Moses, Moses. Moses said, yes, Lord. Can you go back there for me? where it said, Moses said, yes, Lord. Moses said, yes, Lord. Then God said, come, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals. You are standing on holy ground. Go to verse 6, 6 through 10. I am the God of your ancestors. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have seen the troubles my people have suffered in Egypt. I have I have heard their cries when the Egyptians hurt them. I know about their pain. Now I will go down and save my people from the Egyptians. I will take them from that land and lead them to a good land where they can be free from these troubles. It is a land filled with many good things. Many different people live in that land. The Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Parasites, Hivites, and Jebusites. I have heard the cries. What's that? Did I say that wrong? Oh, okay. I have heard the cries of the Israelites and have seen the way the Egyptians have made hard life for them, made life hard for them. So now I am sending you to Pharaoh. Go lead my people to the Israelites out of Egypt. Thank you for reading all that with me. That's the longest passage we're going to read today. But I am always intrigued by God's introductory exchange here with Moses. I'm always intrigued by that. I am extremely enlightened by how God unfolds his plan. I want you to notice something very unique here. If we start in verse 8, God is talking to Moses. I'm going to summarize, but notice, follow me now. God says, hey, Moses. Moses say, how you doing? God says, I'm, I will go down. I will save my people. 
I will take them from the land. I will lead them. Now I'm sending you. Did you catch that? God say, I'm going to do, I'm going to do, I'm going to do, I'm going to do. Now you do. God has committed to the mission, but then turns around and gives Moses a specific task. Humanly speaking, that doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't resonate with my human psyche. As a matter of fact, if you were talking to me, that wouldn't fly. That type of logic wouldn't work. You can't come over to my house, right? You're going to tell me, hey, I'm going grocery shopping. And you're going to come over to my house with empty bags and start rummaging through my pantry. That doesn't make sense. You can't tell me that you're getting ready to drive cross country and then come to my house looking for my car keys. It doesn't make sense. You can't tell me you're having a dinner party and then show up at my house with your guests asking me what you're going to eat. I mean, I got to let it marinate. It doesn't make any sense. You can't tell me that you are going to put an addition on your house and call me in the middle of the night asking me why it ain't done. What am I, what am I getting at? You cannot arbitrarily commit me and my resources to anything. God says, I'm going to do, I'm going to do, I'm going to do, so I'm sending you. That mode of operation doesn't make sense to me. My human intellect, that doesn't gel with me. In my manly thinking, that just doesn't work. But family, God is not a man. God thinks and acts differently than we do. God's mode of operation is working through a vessel. And he is attempting to do this through Moses. God says, I'm going to do, I'm going to do, I'm going to do, so I'm sending you. In other words, I have a plan, but... I need a vessel to work out my plan. Come with me now. Of course, God is the one that's going to do the saving. But he needs that vessel. You see where I'm going. What is Moses' response, though? Check this out, verse 11. But Moses said to God, I am not a great man. How can I be the one to go to Pharaoh and lead the Israelites out of Egypt? Moses responds with hesitancy. And that pause is probably dripped in his lack of self-confidence, his negative self-view of himself, a whole host of things. That is very similar to our response that we give to God when he asks us to do something. We respond in this light. Of course, before, before we get to this point, 
we always have our standard upfront initial response. I call it the excuse me response. <laughs> Notice. Our typical initial reaction when God presents us with, some, with something is excuse me. God, you want me to do what? Excuse me. You want me to reach who? Read that next one with me. Go. You want me to go where? Exactly. You got to hit that inflection on the back. You want me to go where? For all of you who are parents, you know how that works. Sometimes your children will ask you to do something. You're like, you want me to do what? You want to go where? You want to go see who? You got to put that inflection on the back. That's what we do to God. You want us to say what? You want us to do it how? You want me to go when? Exactly. We hit him with this excuse me response. And then soon after that response, we then rush in to try to convince him about all the reasons why we are not the caliber of person that he should be calling for this role. It's the same thing that Moses is doing. Same stuff that he tried to do. In other words, when God comes in our space, space, we give him pushback. Everybody say pushback. pushback. We give him pushback. Moses is giving God pushback. And in giving God pushback, he unveils, unveils at least three areas that we want to be aware of. And just to be clear, when I say pushback, I'm talking about categories of areas that, that we, we put reasons in to tell God no. Look at his pushback. The first thing he says, and this is my words at the top in the scriptures underneath, Moses says people will not believe me. Exodus chapter 4, verse 1, easy to read. Then Moses said to God, but the Israelites will not believe me when I tell them that you, you sent me. They will say, the Lord did not appear to you. His second pushback, he says, I do not have what it takes. Exodus 4, verse 10, easy to read. Then Moses said to the Lord, but Lord, I am telling you, I am not a good speaker. I have never been able to speak well, and that hasn't changed since you started talking to me. I am still not a good speaker. You know that I speak slowly and don't use the best words. What he's saying here in a nutshell is I don't have the natural talent and abilities to do what you want me to do. And this ties in nicely with what we read in chapter three when he says, I'm not a great man. It's his view of himself. Lastly, he says, I do not want to go. Exodus chapter four, verse 13, easy to read. But Moses said, my Lord, I beg you to send someone else, not me. He gave him pushback. We give God pushback the same way. Look at this image. We operate in these same areas of pushback. When God asks us to do something, what do we say? People will not believe me. Or 
They won't receive me or they don't look at me well. People, people, what they going to say? What? People, 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 people. The second one. I do not have what it takes. I don't have what it takes, God. I don't have the natural abilities. I don't speak very well. I've never been able to do that. You're looking at yourself and your natural abilities talking about what you can't do. Notice that third one. I do not want to go. I'm here to tell you that that one is probably rooted in fear and insecurity. In addition to that, I believe that that one is an offshoot of the first two not going well. Why? Check this out. Think about it. If God calls you to do something and you are confident that people will believe you, you are confident that people will receive you. You are confident that you have all the abilities and the talents to be a success. Why would you say no? If the first two you had in the bag, why in the world would you say no? On that third one, I'm here to tell you that third one where you say, I do not want to go is probably best translated within each of us as I am afraid to go. Instead of I do not want to do it, it's probably best translated as I'm afraid to do it. Why you won't speak up, stand up in front of people and give your testimony when God has asked you to? And you give that sorry, pitiful, tired line that, well, it's not my season to tell it. You scared. (laughs) You're scared about what people might think. You're scared about how you might look. You're scared about you might not say the words right. God didn't ask you all that. If you need, you need to be honest with yourself. You're afraid of it. But all of these pushbacks that we give to God and we try to hide behind, I want to begin to bring that to a specific point here today. Take me back to Exodus 3, verse 4. Easy to read. We're doing just straight up teaching today. There should be one with just Exodus 4 on it, but that's fine. We can use this one. (laughs) God bless you. Thank you for that one as well. I want to draw us to an obvious reality that Moses missed and each of us missed. At the beginning, the Bible says, Exodus 3, verse 4, the Lord saw Moses was coming to look at the bush. So he called him from the bush. He said, Moses, Moses. 
tell me, family. At the time God says, Moses, Moses, how many of Moses's shortcomings does God already know about? All of them. At the time he called him, he already knew about everything Moses was going to complain about. Look up here with me, the next image. God implies by the simple fact that he called Moses, God implies by the simple fact that he called you. God implies, family, by the simple fact that he called Moses, he said, Moses, I know you. Moses, I know your capabilities. I know your shortcomings. I know your faults. I know your quirks and your insecurities. I know your fears. I know your scars. I know where you come from. I knew you, Moses, when I called you. God already knew him when he called him. And loved ones, I want you to say this with me. Say this. Say, how many of us, many of us have, predetermined have predetermined we are of no use, are of no use to, God to God based on our own, on our own shameful, shameful self-view? Self Loved ones, we pick ourselves apart. We pick ourselves apart by where we've been, by what we've been through, by where we come from, by what we got, and we pick ourselves apart and we pick ourselves right out of the thought of ever being useful to God. We pick ourselves apart to the, to the point to where we draw back and we wrestle with that thought, how can God ever use a person like me? Say this with me. Say, God, God is not, is not surprised, surprised by the person I am. God is not surprised by who you are. You ain't, ain't nothing in your life has caught God by surprise. God didn't look up one day and say, oh, my dog on it. I ain't know they were going to do that. I ain't know they talked like that. I didn't know they could, can't pronounce a word right to say they like. Nothing about you is a surprise to God. God knew your shortcomings and your faults and your quirks and your insecurities and your fears and your scars. And yet and still knowing all of that. He calls you anyway. The simple fact that he called you anyway says that there's got to be something about you that's right for the job. Something that God sees that you're not seeing. I want all of us to stop disqualifying what God is qualified. 
And I want us to say something together. Ready? Say this. On three. One, two, three. Stop disqualifying yourself. Qualified you. Stop disqualifying what God has already qualified. He knew everything he needed to know about you when he called you. We don't need to rehearse to him through a category of pushback the reasons why we think we don't qualify. He qualified you when he called you. And along with calling you for the assignment, just like Moses, I want you to know something very critical that God wants us all to know. He shared it with Moses at the very beginning, way before Moses ever got a chance to start to do all of his hard pushback. God already told him something. Listen to this. God's going to share a key piece of intelligence regarding the mission. Exodus 3. Verse 12, it starts off, God said you can do it because I'll be with you. Moses, Moses, I got something for you to do. It's a mission. Now, I want you to go to Pharaoh. God, I'm not a great man. You can do it because I'll be with you. God, I don't talk well. You can do it. Because I'll be with God. I don't have an education. You can do it because I'll be with you. God, you don't understand. I'm not, you know, whatever it is. I don't have the money. I don't have a social status. I don't I've never done this before. You can do it. Why? Because I will be with you. You can do it. Family, if God calls you to a work, you can do it because he will be with you. We do not need to spend a whole bunch of time over overthinking where we fit in the context of his plan. Just answer the call. If we overthink who we are, who we who we've been in the past, what we have now, what we've been through, our hurts, our pains, our scars, our insecurities. If we keep rummaging up our field fears, if we do all of that, we get tied up in giving God a no when we should be giving him a yes. So do not rack your brain over and over about stuff like that. Just realize there is not a single thing about you that surprises God. God knew you when he called you. So in his opinion, you have what it takes to succeed. Family. If we put it all in a nutshell. It's this. You plus God is enough. It don't matter what they're going to say about what you went through when you tell your testimony. If God told you to do it, do it because he's with you and you and God is enough. 
If you don't have the money in the bank to launch out, but God told you to do it, it don't matter. Launch out. Because God plus you is enough. If you failed eight times before, but God tells you to do it again, just do it again. Because God plus you is enough. It doesn't matter all the baggage that you feel that you bring into the situation. Your baggage does not surprise God. It might be the very thing in your bag that delivers somebody else. If God tells you to open your mouth, if he tells you to go, if he tells you to speak up, if he tells you to do it when and however, just do it. Because God plus you is enough. There's nothing about you that surprises God. God knew you when he called you. So you're right for the job. Just put your life in his hands and he can use it. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you that each and every person here has the opportunity every day to get in the flow of what you're doing in this world. You're always looking for a willing vessel. Someone who will voluntarily say, God, I want to be an active participant in your plan. I pray that every heart here takes the position that God, I'm going to put my life, all of who I am, all of my experiences, all of my hurts, all of my pains, all my successes, all my failures, all my happy times, all my sad times. I'm going to put everything I am into your hands. And God, use it for the kingdom. Use it to deliver someone. Hey, God, as you use me to deliver someone else, I thank you that you will also deliver me. I thank you for that being the case in everybody's life right now. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.